into the contest. It's Tuesday, the 22nd of March. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. And Shane, nothing like a cake with candles in the house, kids celebrating... Almost the adults' birthdays become the kids' birthdays after a while, don't they? Very much so, Timmy. It was, uh, it was yeah, as I said yesterday, it was Lorraine's birthday, and uh, so last night we just got some toy takeaway, and um, we had the cake and the candles, and the, and the kids love that. Mate, get to blow the candles out and sing happy birthday, and uh, most importantly, they get a piece of cake yes. uh, on a Tuesday. So that's a that's a big event for them. Oh yeah, that is a breakout, and uh, and they're at that age now where they don't spit on it as much when they help blow the candles out because that can happen. <laughs> this test match in Lahore is turning into. A a really interesting affair, of course, two draws in the first two test matches. A fascinating first day. We'll have a, a squiz at that water about Rafael Nadal. He's been beaten in a boil over. And the AFLW Grand Final, it's been moved. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Cricket is back in Lahore, of course. Uh, We'll talk shortly about what happened Back in 2009, it's hard to believe uh, it was 2009 when the Sri Lankan cricket team uh, was rained with bullets. But uh, Australia last night, Usman Khawaja batting brilliantly again. And you'd have to say honours are even after day one, Shane. Very much so. Australia 5 for 232. And uh, as you said, Timmy, the first two games were absolute batathons and um, uh, yeah both teams uh, well both matches ending in a draw I should say this one is is in the in the balance definitely um, some cu- couple of early wickets today from Pakistan could see them really on top of this match but Australia um, yeah, as you said Osman Khawaja scored 91 Labuschagne another duck so he's had, a, he's had a pretty poor series Steve Smith once again getting more than 50 but not getting to 100 on 59 Travis Head missing out again. So so currently Green's in on 20 not out and Alex Carey on 9 not out. So, yeah, it's a big, big day for those two batsmen at the crease right now. Oh, absolutely. Kawaj is Bradman-esque. Yeah, he's averaging over 100 um, this calendar year. So um, he's just batting very, very well. It's a very, very simple technique and um, very uncomplicated. He's clearly relaxed now at the crease. He's always said he's a type of player that doesn't like a lot of rah-rah around him, uh, likes to be relaxed and go about his batting in his own manner, and he's definitely doing that now. Yeah, and he seems relaxed, and even when he was crook, because there's stories out this morning that he wasn't feeling all that well, but he overcame that. Scored uh, 90-odd, missed out on that 100. Of course, that's the second time for him, and Mm. it's happened lots of times for the Australians over the course of the last six months, just not getting to that triple-figure mark. What about this blow-up with Steve Smith? Well, so I was watching the Test match uh, yesterday, Tim, and um, I actually saw this happen live, and and Steve Smith's batting, the the bowl is running into bowl. There's a little uh, camera called Rose, um, that sort of skirts around the boundary. Yep. That's a deep mid-wicket, so it's sort of over Steve Smith's right shoulder. Um, it's moved when the bowler was running in. Steve Smith has actually hit the ball and then turned straight away and pointed to Rover. 
He's got terrific peripheral vision to be able to see this little thing moving on the boundary. It, um, he's very, very aware, obviously, where all the fielders are, and it's probably what makes him such a great batsman, that he has such good vision all around the field. Mm, most drovers eat pal, don't they? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> yeah, no, this one. Yeah, no, he's, he's an extraordinary sportsman, and uh, I still reflect on when he came into the scene, really, he was predominantly a leg spinner who batted a bit and he's gone on mm. to be arguably one of our best ever batsmen. Now, uh, I did mention earlier what happened back in 2009, of course, and no cricket's been played there for a long, long time uh, in Lahore. That's where the 96 World Cup final was, where mm. Australia, I want to bring that up to you, where you guys went down to Sri Lanka. But in 2009, there was the... the the, the terrorist attack, and it's probably one of the ugliest days the world of cricket has ever seen. And a number of the Sri Lankan cricketers, and I think Trevor Bayliss was Sri Lankan coach at the time, got minor injuries. But the umpire, or the reserve umpire on that occasion, Asan Raza, almost lost his life. Yeah, well, Raza is now um, officiating for this match, and it's 13 years on, as you said, Tim. Um, he was in a minivan going alongside one of the team buses that was actually shot up. Mm. Um, he was shot through the chest. Um, he said two things saved him. He put the ICC um, rule book over his stomach um, to stop any other bullets. Um, it's quite a thick rule book. Um, but he said it was um, it was Broad, the other umpire on the bus, who dived on his chest to stop the bleeding yeah. um, as his lungs were starting to fill up with blood. So it would be a very, very... Um, special day for him to, to walk out as the umpire in this match but I'm sure there'll be some really really negative thoughts at the back of his head of what he experienced there he could have could have died yeah Chris Broad of course um, Stuart Broad's father who was, mm. a, who was a pretty handy batsman himself and that was the height of terrorism it's great to see uh, cricket back in Lahore and uh, having been there as a reporter it's, it is really a beautiful city it's called the Garden City of Pakistan now looking at the world of tennis Taylor Fritz Taylor Fritz stuns Rafael Nadal in what was an amazing match and ends a pretty spectacular unbeaten streak for uh, Rafa. Well, Rafa, ever since uh, Australia and the Australian Open, has been on an unbeaten um, streak, as you mentioned. Taylor mm. Fritz, uh, the American, went went on to win his first ever Masters 1000 final title um, to beat Rafa 6-3, 7-6, 6-5. He actually couldn't believe it himself. And I, I think he would have watched most matches that Rafa plays and he always seems to come back towards the end and somehow beat you. Um, and he was quoted as saying, I can't friggin' believe it <laughs> when he actually won won the last point to win the match. So uh, a good effort to Taylor Fritz from the USA to not only to win his first finals title uh, in the Masters 1000, but to beat Rafa in um, the form that he's in. Yeah, that's pretty spectacular stuff, isn't it? Quite in contrast, um, Naomi Osaka, Amanda Asimova, partying with Kim Kardashian. And I don't know what you're like, Shane, but every time I hear the word Kardashian, my eyes tend to glaze over. <laughs> well, very much so. But uh, it seems that Naomi Osaka and Amanda and Asimova, who have both had some uh, real uh, mental health issues, uh, are spending mm. quite a bit of time together. Um, but it's good to see that they're getting out for a social event prior to the Miami Open, which is coming up next week. So um, hopefully they let their hair down a little bit and and enjoy um, what what the World of Tennis can bring them outside of the actual game itself. So uh, yeah, hopefully they, they go into the, the tournament with a, with a fresh approach. 
Yeah, I hope that both of those players can uh, get some clear air because we saw Amanda Asimova uh, walk off the other day, didn't we? But yeah. um, uh, my comments about the Kardashians were quite separate, uh, those TV <laughs> shows and everything else. I don't know if you ever accidentally flicked them on, uh, keeping up with the Kardashians and stuff, but Shana, goodness gracious me. Nah, it's not my th- that's not my cup of tea to me, but AFL is. Yeah, it is, and we've got plenty of it on the way. We've got plenty of NRL and a stack more just around the corner. What about Tom Green with the GWS Giants? Um, he is a player of immense ability, and he's uh, he's getting out there with big statements early, Shona. He is. He's, he's a confident boy. Um, he had probably the best match uh, for the GWS Giants in their loss to the City Swans on the weekend with 31 disposals. He's come through the, um, the Western Sydney Academy, um, but he's been part of this midfield uh, at GWS, that are extraordinary. Uh, the, top, the likes of uh, Joy um, Cordwell, Jackson Haitley, uh, Paul Laherne, and Matt Kennedy, to name a few, superstars uh, of the midfield and of the AFL. Um, but he's really done the hard yards, and he's leapfrogged a lot of those guys in the off-season and has now come out and said openly that he wants to be an All-Australian, um, and he wants to be right up there as one of the best players in the AFL. So it's a big, big statement after round one, but he said he's been part of that sort of team and, and trying to push his way into uh, not only that the squad but that team for, for the last few years so he thinks he's ready ready to go now so good on him yeah absolutely well you you've got to talk the game don't you talk the talk now the yeah. AFLW the the grand final has been pushed back uh, lots of dramas in and around COVID-19 not so much these days uh everyone being infected by it but in New South Wales Victoria and other parts of Australia it's the whole idea of households being locked in and it's meant a lot of people have been unable to train play etc etc and I think that this is what's happened here a number of players are affected by others that they live with yeah definitely so the AFLW has been pushed back I think it's around about a week now so it's Collingwood to take on Brisbane in the final um, I think they want to just give all the girls the best chance to perform it, it is a big moment to make any mm. grand final at any level so I think I think the AFL's W is doing a really, really good job there to make sure that all the girls are prepared. Uh, they've all had a fair crack at it and uh, they can come out and give their best and hopefully win a title. Hard to believe Brisbane have won two from two after what happened last year, but it's it's a lot of promise in uh, Red Hill at the moment because they just look like winners again. Uh, and Adam Reynolds didn't play in the first game, came back into the game against the Bulldogs. It was tight, but uh, he did everything. His defence in the end and that pass between the legs, seriously, uh, that can only be done by someone full of confidence. And and with great skill too. And uh, I think we mentioned yesterday that South are really looking rudderless around around the paddock, and um, and Reynolds gave that to them. He'll he'll, he'll bring a lot of confidence. Um, but yeah, to throw a pass off the ground through your legs and hit a guy in the chest about 15, 20 metres away takes a lot of skill. They didn't score the try, but uh, he's going to definitely bring a lot of confidence to that Broncos team. Drama for another rugby league star, George Burgess. Of course, he's just come back to Australia and uh, he's with the Dragons set up, but um, there seems like a problem for him. Yeah, there's a massive problem here. There's a massive problem for the Dragons too, that he's been charged with sexually touching a woman. Um, he's been uh, released on bail, but he appears in court April 13. Yes, yeah, it's just not, not good. Once again, he's come back. Look, he's a good footballer, this guy, but... Um, 
yeah, if this is true, it's uh, it's appalling behaviour. Now, what about Sonny Bill Williams? He dominated the world of league, dominated the world of rugby union. He's a boxer these days, and he wants to go for a world title fight. Well, he's got the ability, hasn't he? He's really focused since his football career ended. He's focused 100% now on boxing. He's been the last six weeks training with Tyson Fury, so he's, he's training with the world's best. But his coach, mm. Andy Lee, thinks that he has potential to fight for a championship title. His first fight is against um, Big Bad Barry Hall, which is coming up, um, I think, in a month's time. Um, I think he's going to have a bit of youth on his side when he when he takes on Barry Hall. And Barry Hall had a broken rib in that um, SAS show, so I don't know how he's recovered from that. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Sonny Bill goes. He's definitely – he's had 13 fights. He's had 13 wins. Um, but he'll start to take on some serious fighters now and uh, – Let's see if he's up to it. He's a great sportsman. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, well, that reality TV star um, pushed Barry out of the ring in SAS. Uh, I think it'll yeah. be very different in the boxing setup. Yeah, I, I saw that where he popped a rib and had to leave the show. But uh, look, Graham Arnold, he's in a spot of bother, not only trying to navigate his Socceroos to the World Cup finals, but personally, as we know, he's got COVID-19. But there's been a breach from him and he's been fined for it. Well, he got busted, hasn't he? He's busted sneaking mm. down an Arabian beach for a swim and um, someone's noticed him and, and dobbed him in. So he's ended up with a $25,000 fine for this. Um, but it's just, uh, it's not great behaviour. I think we've all been through COVID and uh, if you've got it, you've got to stay inside. Um, that That's the rules. And uh, it just seems that the whole, the, the Australian soccer team are lacking a bit of discipline as well. And uh Maybe it's coming from the top. Yeah, and look, it's a huge week of sport when we look at what's happening in Sydney this week. Of course, the Socceroos taking on Japan. you got this great grudge match, South Sydney and Roosters, then the Swans and Geelong, and Buddy possibly kicking that 1,000th goal. What a week of sport it is. Now, David Beckham. David, he's handed his Instagram account. Now, this is a, a pretty... Nice moment. He's obviously a world superstar, David Beckham, um, and he's handed his Instagram account to a Ukrainian doctor. Tell me more, Shane. Well, he's, uh, his Instagram account has 71 million followers, so he's in the top 50 in the world. And, um, yeah, he's handed over to a Ukrainian doctor to allow them to promote, to give out information, to talk about the war and, and to support Ukrainians. So... Yeah, he's definitely humanitarian, um, David Beckham, and uh, doing a very, very nice deed here. Yeah, it uh, is um, a great mark of solidarity from the great David Beckham. Now, we're looking at this test match. I'm, I'm fascinated to watch what happens on day two. I'll be sitting uh, to watch the Fox coverage and uh, see if Australia can build on this innings, get it over 350 and make it very difficult for Pakistan to get in a, a winning position. But uh, that's where we uh, finish today because um, it was Wazim Akram. Very few players ever got on top of Wazim Akram, the wonderful left arm all-rounder for Pakistan. But one day you did. Uh, one day I did. And let's put this in perspective, Timmy. I got about 26 not out off 13 balls. So I don't say I just score 100 against him. But um, during that one day international, he got Slater out first ball of the game with a careering in swinger. He knocked over Taylor with a little out swinger. Um, he had about three for, for not many. Towards the end of the innings, I got on top of him and hit a few fours. I actually bailed him up for a beer afterwards. And there was a lot of talk around where Pakistan were throwing matches. 
And I'm not saying it was him, I couldn't ever throw a match, but I just asked him if he was actually trying when he was bowling to me. <laughs> and he just smiled and said, Shane, I always played to win. That's how he answered it. So you make your own mind up whether he was trying or not. I don't know, but uh, it's in the book, Timmy. 26 off 13 balls. There you go. Oh, what a remarkable cricketer he was. Uh, off about 10 paces, just absolutely blistering. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our wonderful sponsors and making me thirsty. Yeah, O'Brien Beer, Timmy, the beer that loves you back. Absolutely. And, of course, our brilliant producer, Dan McHugh. We are back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.